and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting for the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about how to handle pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans. I realize there's still some planting going on, uh, but there are certainly some crops that are in the ground and have been for a while, and we're starting to see some of the pre-emerge products break in, in many states across the country and uh, across, or I should say, across the continent. Uh, we're starting to see some of the pre's break this time of year. We're going to talk about how to catch some of those weeds that may be slipping through. Brian, lots of lots of stuff going on today. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, first of all, the crop looks terrible. I was out looking at some of our fields last night. It's the worst corn I've ever seen uh, that I can remember. Now, granted, there is a bunch of stuff that looks pretty good, and normally our crop looks fantastic. But still, I I I, I had been gone. I had to be out of town over the weekend. And yesterday was the first chance I had to look at a bunch of our fields since probably early the, the week before. And I'm going, what happened in the last week? My goodness, a bunch of this stuff just looks awful. But, you know, we're getting pictures and emails and uh, calls every day, uh, stuff on Twitter, you name it. Guys showing us pictures of, okay, I got this stand issue. And what's going wrong with my crop here? Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of bad-looking crops all over the place. So I don't know. I mean, the more that I look at the crop around the country, I got over the next month, I'm going to be driving around a lot of the Midwest, and, and I'll get much more chance to see it on a big scale. But what I've seen so far driving around the country, eh, it's not going to be our best crop or even close, which isn't real. I mean, it's not exactly news to a lot of people. But honestly, I thought it. I, I thought stuff looked maybe was going to look a, maybe a little bit better, um, and yeah, there are some things that are going to start growing through it because that's another thing that guys have asked. Okay, my crop looked awful in the beginning, but now it's starting to grow through it, and now it's kind of starting to even up a little bit. Is my yield hurt? The answer is absolutely. Your yield was hurt. Your crop, if it has any bad day, your yield is hurt. Now, the good news is the crop prices are going up, and we're not even close to the top yet, in my opinion. So, you know, even a three-quarters crop is going to make a lot more money than last year's crop did. So, I mean, it's not all bad or anything. And then the other good news with this is all that excess supply we had for corn and soybeans, that's all going to be gone. So the next two, three years look much more promising now. But anyway, I guess... The big thing that I wanted to stress today is just go look at your fields and see what you can do. And then also on the good-looking crop, because we, we do probably have three-quarters of our crop that looks great, okay, we're going to invest some money in th- on those acres. Yeah, on the dud acres, we're not going to do anything. But on the good acres, absolutely, we're going to put some put some money to it because the return on investment should be pretty good. So when you talk about like this pigweed deal too, I mean, the the numbers are going to explode coming out of this year because there's so many areas that we don't have a good-looking crop. Well, that's exactly where weeds take off. So that's one thing you got to think about, too. Yeah, you might not want to spend money on that crop. You might not want to spray, spray fungicide or do anything else, but you've got to kill the weeds there because otherwise the weed seed bank is going to be awful for the next five years. I think the big thing, Brian, there's a lot of growers that are kind of down, even the ones that have crop in the ground, just just like you started with. Uh, it's, it's not as good as my crop normally looks, but the prices are really good, and the crop is worth quite a bit. And this year, one of the biggest things that 
that we really want to encourage growers with is, man, this crop's worth something. Let's keep after it. And wow, it looks so much better than it did last week. It's really coming on strong. And as fast as this crop is growing, late planted crops just grow so fast they're pretty sensitive to things too. So as many growers are out there spraying, like you mentioned, there's a lot of strange things that we're starting to get pictures of and reactions that we don't normally see. What can be done to safen some of these applications that are going out on crops today? Well, first of all, you've got to make sure that it is a safer product. There are just some things that are harsh. And if you start doing weird tank mixes you don't normally do, you may forget that, oh, Dicamba's got a whole bunch of oils in it. Liberty's got a whole bunch of other oils in it. There are some products like Lorsban insecticide, just some products where if you add it to almost anything else, it's really going to heat it up. And, I mean, it's just some common sense kind of stuff, but if you're not aware of that, that's why we encourage you to talk to a good agronomist out there. Also, it could be some micronutrient deficiencies. We talked yesterday in the show about, okay, Cobra. If you want to safen cobra a little bit, usually you can get by with some foliar boron with the cobra. That will help that plant recover just that much faster. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that, that absolutely can be done there. But I guess the big thing that I would say is you got to make sure you're out scouting. And this year especially, you might have areas in fields that need a different treatment than other areas in fields just because of the planting date. Maybe you planted a different crop there. Maybe it's how the crop looks. But it's going to be a lot of work this year. But I think the reward's going to be pretty good because the prices are going to be so good. And I complain about this every day, but the soybean price is ridiculously low. I mean, it's way too low for what the crop looks like in the acres that are in the ground. So anyway... I do think things are going to get a lot better in terms of price. Yeah, the odds are that it's going up. There's no doubt about that. The other thing I wanted to point out too, Brian, is we're getting so many questions and and comments about how things look out in the field. And I would say 99.9% of the pictures that I've gotten, Brian, and I don't know what you've seen, they've all been above ground. And so much of the story is below ground. I just want to encourage growers, do some digging and see what's going on beneath the ground that often tells the story about what the upper yeah, part of the plant but, looked like. But this year, but this year, you know what the below ground story is. The roots are dying or dead because we have waterlogged soil. So it's no fun when you have those kind of situations. That's why we've been talking a lot about tile and approving that for the future. But for this year, you know, there's not much you can do. When that crop gets off to a bad start, replanting super late, you know you're not going to have top yields with that. So we just have to fight through this year and hope for, for better things next year. All right, we're going to talk about this year and how to make the most out of this year's crop. One of the things that you have to do is have excellent weed control out there, especially on weeds like pigweed. If we let any of these guys go to seed, they are a disaster for the next five to seven years for sure. So we're going to talk about how to handle pigweed escapes. We'll focus on corn and soybeans. We may talk about some other crops too. We'll take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Hey, Jimmy, any ideas for increasing corn yield? Rise up. Oh, I get up early and work hard. Rise up. Exactly. I could use faster growth, bigger ears, higher yield. Rise up. If only my yield could rise a few bushels. Rise up. Okay, Jimmy, I'm going to rise up. Yeah, let's rise up. Its name says it all. Help your corn rise up to its potential with Rise Up Plant Growth Regulator from Valent USA Corporation. Ask your retailer about Rise Up. Rise up to a higher yield. Make more money from each field. Rise up. Always read and follow label instructions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? 
Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. If you're like most dry bean growers, you don't go 30 seconds without thinking about the damaging effects of white mold. So let us spend the next 30 seconds telling you about Topsin fungicide from UPL. Topsin is a leading brand used by growers. Why? Because season after season, Topsin delivers superior protection and complete peace of mind. In short, Topsin works. So don't spend your time thinking about white mold. Spend your time controlling it. To get Topsin, call your UPL representative or distributor. Read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're taking on the big bad animal out there, pigweed, today. We're going to talk about controlling those pigweed escapes in corn and in soybeans. And a lot of this, when we talk about these different uh, techniques that you may use and herbicides and so forth, they can be used in other crops too. And we'll we'll maybe focus on some of the other crops as well and where we're seeing pigweeds at. Got Zach Trower with us right now down in Iowa. He's with Syngenta. Zach, how you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good, but walking our fields the last few days, I'm noticing some two-inch tall pigweeds out there, some even just a little bit taller, mostly on Brian's ground. But they've slipped through. Well, we put our prees out quite a while ago, and and here we go. It's round two. Uh, what are you seeing out there, and what's working this year? You know, we're, we're seeing something very similar in Iowa. You know, I, I cover eastern Iowa, uh, including, obviously, southeastern Iowa, which has caught a lot more rain than the, the other territory that I cover. Um, and we're seeing something very similar, you know, 15, 20 inches of rain sometimes on these prees, and they're just giving up, you know. They, they don't have any juice left in them. So we really have to have that second pass come through. Um, you know, when we're chasing that 3-, 4-inch pigweed, um, sometimes we're using, say, we have a planned program of split-shot Acuron coming over the top, um, you know, that 1.5-quart rate of Acuron, or even that 3.6-pint of Halix GT with some atrazine. Um, that seems to be doing a really good job cleaning up these fields that that early, early pre has break, been breaking on. Yeah, we've really liked Acuron Flexi. That's been a, a go-to product for us. Uh, with the Bicyclopyron in there, that second HPPD, can you talk about that one? Are you seeing some differences there versus uh, your mixes where you just have mesotrione in there, for example? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Acuron Flexi, Acuron, um, you know, obviously the difference is atrazine there. But um, that Bicyclopyron, what we're getting there is that large seeded broadleaf. So, um you guys probably used the old uh, Lumax way back when. And, oh, we even uh, we even there, used a little bit of that this year, Zach. Yeah, and uh, there are <laughs> actually a lot of guys that have been using the Lumax and Lexars, especially with the 
the lower crop prices we saw last year, but that bite cycle pyrone is bringing um, additional pigweed control, so you're getting more HPPD for your uh, water hemp and, a, say, Palmer amaranth, which I believe you guys deal with over there. Uh, thank God we're not dealing with that too much here yet. <laughs> um, but Oh, it's coming. It's coming, Zach. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, uh, two years ago I moved up from Missouri, and I got to see what uh, Palmer amaranth's like down there, and I, I strongly believe it should stay away from Iowa, but I know it is coming. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, morning glory, uh, giant ragweed, we're also getting that large seeded broadleaf activity with bicyclopyrone. So that's really that differentiator that people see when they go from, say, Lumax or Lexar product to the Acuron brand. Okay, now you mentioned atrazine a little bit earlier, and we get a lot of questions to our show because in some areas of the country, guys are using a full pound of atrazine or more. Other areas, guys have figured out, man, if we just put even a quarter of a pound in with some of these HPPDs post, it really heats them up. What's been your experience? Do you like a quarter pound, a half pound? Where are you at? Yeah, so with the heavy soils we deal with, I really like that half a pound in with, say, a uh, Halix GT post pass. Um, or even if you're doing the split shot Acuron, bumping that rate of atrazine up to a half a pound. That's really the sweet spot we like, mainly because we deal with a lot of giant ragweed and morning glory, and that extra atrazine really does help out. You know, when you think about this year's crop, one of the big differences we see in our farm and many farms around the country, we aren't going to canopy for a little bit yet, and it's going to be further into the season before we see that. Um, what What are you doing with post-emerge residual products and what would you recommend you know we can we can kind of start with corn there is you know i've we obviously with the corn portfolio we have say the halix gts the acuron you're getting residual in there you're getting your esmetolachlor or dual uh you're getting your callisto uh you're getting your atrazine in there depending on your you know what you're doing you're getting multiple effective modes of action for residual and you're getting uh, modes of action for knockdown I think the big challenge is definitely going to be beans this year as well. Um, beans, you know, a lot of beans in my territory that I cover, they're still in V1, V2 stage. You know, they're maybe four or five inches tall, and we got a long ways to go before we get to canopy, especially on these 30-inch soybeans. So using residual products on the backside, say a, a Tavium, which would be your dicamba dual combination that uh, we just released here this year, um, or Prefix or Flexstar GT, really trying to get as much residual, increasing the rate. You know, I like to use the full labeled rate of a product to make sure that I'm getting as much AI, as much pounds on the ground as possible to uh, carry me through the rest of the season. Yeah, it's been uh, been a challenging year, no doubt, but the pigweeds don't care. They're coming hard, and uh, we've got to get after them. We've been talking with Zach Trower down in Iowa. Zach, thank you so much. Good luck to uh, growers in your area the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you. We've got Brandon Srage with us right now. Uh, Brandon's with FMC down in Nebraska. What's the story down in Nebraska and, uh, and out west into Colorado? Are we starting to see the pigweeds coming hard there too, Brandon? Well, Darren, I was I was surprised how long it took, but yes, they are they're coming up in flush. Um, I'd say um, I walked some fields earlier today, even where some early emergers are probably five six inches, um, but most of them are right at that inch mark. So it's important to get out there when we can when the ground dries up and hit them back. 
All right, you got quite a few different products that you work with that I want to talk to you about, but one of them that I want to talk about is Cadet. We get so many questions about Cadet, and I look at Cadet as a great product to use in your first pass out in the crowd, but I see so many guys saying, oh man, I got foot tall weeds, and now I'm going to use Cadet. Outside of Velvet Leaf, I haven't really seen Cadet take down foot tall weeds. I think guys are asking way too much. What What's the best way to use that product? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you're asking too much of anything trying to take down uh, you know, foot tall weeds. But Agreed. what's important to remember about that about that flutiacet is that it's a great tank mix partner. And so when we have that ability with Cadet to go to full flower, a lot of folks will be tempted to use that later and expect the world out of it. But where it works great is in combination with your either your glyphosate or your glufosinate or other mixtures. It adds just having that PPO concept where you have to have a light activated post product. It really helps energize other products in the tank. And the same goes true with either the AIM or the Marvel um, or a number of FMC products, but Cadet especially. And what's handy about that is you can use combination products with it in either corn or soybeans. Yeah, we've been seeing really good results this year. We've had comments from all over the continent, really, using three modes of action pre-emerge on soybeans has really worked. Uh, But like we were talking about earlier in the show, it's been a long time that it's been out there, and we're starting to see them let loose. Uh, What are you doing here as we get into these post-emerge applications? And and we talked just a little bit about some of the residual options you could add. I know that's going to be important, too. Right. And it'll depend a little bit on geography. It'll depend on what your wheat spectrum you're looking at, of course, where your beans are at. So even here in Nebraska and even further west, you know, a lot of guys are still just getting beans coming out of the ground. It's It's been a, a really strange year in that regard. And so getting that post-residual, that's where we have a tank mix or a pre-mix uh, package with Anthem Max. So you can go up to V3 in soybeans, up to V4 in corn. What that does is that provides that cadet with the anthem, that pyroxysulfone, to get you that extended residual. Um, and so once we're past that V3 mark, that's where post, uh, post combinations of your glyphosate, glufosinate, depending on your seed package, can go with a cadet um, or a marvel. Uh, marvel will have that femesophen that will add some a residual component to there, but obviously there are geographical restrictions with that active ingredient. Um, and so trying to get that layered because it really breaks down to just the dynamic um, and how competitive that pigweed species is, whether it's water hemp, whether it's palmer. I mean, we, we cannot allow escapes. And if we do, they need to be hand-pulled because the, the issue is not just contributing to that seed bank in the fall, but it's also the risk of having that gene flow, um, the resistance population that can be moving um, throughout those two species as well. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we didn't have those challenges when I was growing up and we were just pulling weeds because oh, they didn't look very good out in fields. We weren't as much worried about resistance and all those other issues that are coming up. But yeah, that second pass of walking fields was uh, the worst part of my summer. Hey, Brandon, thank you so much. Yeah. really appreciate having you on. I appreciate uh, uh, what you're doing out there. Thank you. Appreciate you. We're talking about... Pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans. I know, I know. Nobody really wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to believe that it's real, but they are out there and they're coming hard this year. We'll talk about more ways you can get rid of those pigweeds coming up right after this. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. 
research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like waterhemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. Avoid the V-shaped pattern of injury caused by chemical buildup in your booms. The Express end cap from Hypro eliminates the dead ends that lead to herbicide buildup and provides easy access to your booms, giving a complete flush between applications. Hypro, helping you spray better. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're talking about pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans. You couldn't have any pigweed escapes, could you? Well, we do. Uh, I was just walking fields again the last couple of days here and certainly got some pigweeds popping up in fields out there. What's interesting this year, we've got more options than what we've had in the past uh, with the new E3 soybeans. So we got a new trait out there where we can actually do something different. Um, how well will 2,4-D work on those pigweeds? In our experience, pretty well yet. We're still doing a pretty good job. And just getting out there in the, the first sprayings across some of these E3 soybeans, trying some different combos out, uh, doing a little bit of research on, okay, you can spray glyphosate, you can spray glufosinate, you can spray this new 2,4-D choline. What is the right combination that's going to, going to do the best job for you. Now, when we've got small weeds, like we're talking about a couple inch tall pigweeds, we aren't going to have a whole lot of trouble. But as things get a little larger, we're going to need some more power in that tank. And 
and that's going to be you know one of the things that we're going to learn a little bit more on our farm. Brian, I got to see two four D in combinations with Liberty years ago. I was at some trail work that North Carolina State was doing, and wow, that that really heated up when you had those two actives together, both very effective on pigweed. Well. Yes, but let's keep in mind, it's like I said earlier in the show, Liberty has a whole bunch of oils with it. So when you add a whole bunch of oils to 2,4-D or dicamba, what happens? You have better weed control. The only issue in the past was you were going to have more crop injury or crop response. Well, now we don't have to worry about it when we've got 2,4-D tolerant soybeans that are also tolerant to Liberty and Roundup. So it's exciting. Now, the one thing I would say, since you start mentioning tank mixes, we've had some guys plugging stuff up. So be careful in what you're mixing with it. We've seen ammonium sulfate creating some issues. We've seen uh, these other drift gardens containing ammonium sulfate. Uh, they're causing issues. So just be careful on how you're mixing things. We always talk about mix it right. You want to put the thing that, so this is how I do it anyway, and I recommend it. Do the thing that's furthest from water, that gets mixed in first. So for example, ammonium sulfate is the most dry product, the most thin liquid product, that goes in last. So you just put that in that order, and generally speaking, you're in pretty good shape. If you're having some issues, you may have to pre-slurry some stuff. I, 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 I guess the other thing that I would say is always have a compatibility agent on your spray truck. So there are many good ones out there. We talk, we've talked about Easy Mix, Mixall. Convert is one that a lot of guys have liked this year. There are lots of different compatibility agents have one around all the time so these issues don't pop up. But yeah, I like the combination of 2,4-D and, and Liberty. We're going to be doing different ratios on our farm this year, but I don't care what ratio it is. I think it's all going to work just fine because both 2,4-D and Liberty will kill our target weeds. I, I do like, to your point, the idea of having two different actives, though, to reduce the chance of weed resistance. Brian, I got in a conversation this morning with a friend about prevent plant and just all the hidden costs of prevent plant acres. And when you think about how many weeds are controlled by crop canopy, and if you can't get out in that field and you have no crop canopy, you haven't got a herbicide out there yet, it could get ugly really fast when we start getting these 80 to 90 degree days that pigweed just seems to love. Yep. And one thing. Okay, so you've got these unplanted fields. In my opinion, that's easy because the whole field needs to get treated the same way, and you can go out and burn tall weeds down with germoxone super fast. Throw a little bit of aim with it or something if you want no residual. You could always add 2,4-D or dicamba if you want a little residual. You could add something like valor if you want lots of residual. But the point is that's one treatment you can do it on the whole field. What I was talking about earlier in the show is all these fields I'm seeing as I'm driving around the country, like I am right now, I'm driving down the road and spots of fields where the crop looks like it's a third of normal height and the rest of the field looks good. Okay, well, in those spots, guess what? We're going to have way more weed issues and where you say, no, I already sprayed my corn. I'm good. I'm done. Mm, no, not this year. You're going to have to go back out in those spots and hit those areas. I mean, unless you want to have a whole bunch of pigweeds go to seed, and keep in mind, one water hemp or one palm of pigweed plant can put on a million seeds. So let's say you let 50 of those things go to seed. You now have 50 million seeds laying in the ground, even if only 10% of them grow. 
<laughs> that's a lot. You're going to have a lot of weed issues, and it's going to be years before you clean that up. So I just really encourage you. I know it's a tough year. I know you don't want to spend more money, but I, you're thinking about the future here in terms of getting those spots under control. The other thing is getting a cover crop out there to, to get that crop canopy that, yeah, you didn't get it with your normal crop that you wanted to put in, but at least get something out there growing to hold things down. And when you think about it, you can put a cover crop on for about the same price as a herbicide application by the time you figure in uh, any application charges. So cover crop makes a lot of sense that way. The other thing is the USDA just changed their their ruling on how soon you could graze or hay that cover crop. Uh, and you'd have to check to see exactly how this pertains to you on your farm. But but it sounds like after September 1st, you're going to be able to get out there, which makes putting a cover crop out there even that much more attractive. Well, yeah, but wait a second, Darren. Now it's no longer a cover crop. If you can hay it or graze it, now it's an actual crop. So now you've got to think about it whole differently than you did just yesterday when you thought, oh, there's no grazing, no haying, it's just a cover crop. Now it's an actual crop. So now you have to ask yourself, what can I get the most tonnage out of? What can I get the most nutritional value out of? That's a different conversation than, oh, I just want to bust up compaction or maybe leave some nutrients for next year or reduce erosion. So you've got to relook at it, go back to the drawing board, and have some discussions with agronomy people in your area and try to come up with the best thing for that acre. And all of a sudden, like for me, I don't know if I would want to do a mix. If I can hay it and I'm in an area that, you know, that, that, that could sell for good money, maybe I just want to raise some ryegrass or winter rye or, you know, something whole different than I was planning on before. Well, if you put out just a grass crop, now all of a sudden you have all kinds of weed control options for things like pigweed because yep. you're right. We get right. all kinds of questions. Hey, I've got this grass and broadleaf mix that I'm putting out for cover, but now the pigweed are coming through it. And let's be honest, right. they're going to because by the time you seed it, you're going to have more pigweed popping up right at the same time your crop is emerging. You're going to have pigweed out there. So you need to be at yep. least able to spray one time and kill that off. Well, if you've got turnips and radishes, or, or other broadleaf crops out there, which I think are great things to have in a cover crop blend. The problem is you have to kill those to kill the pigweed if you're going to use a herbicide. Yep, so we have a lot of guys now also talking about millet and you know maybe it's oats or, or something, but again, the conversation's entirely different. If you're a livestock guy, now that you know that's going to be hay or you can graze it or, or whatever, you're, it, this is not a cover crop. So now we need to talk about fertility. Now we need to talk about fungicide and insecticide and weed control and everything else. We're not just throwing a bunch of stuff out there hoping it grows and reduces our erosion and our, and our weed issues. So you've you got to think about that. This, this is a crop now. The government just handed you a whole bunch of money, so take advantage of it. All right, uh, we got a minute and a half here left before we get to run to a commercial break. I talked to a grower this morning over in southern Minnesota. He said, I've got 12-inch tall corn. I was trying to stick some more beans in the ground, and before I turned around, the corn was 12 inches tall. Now I don't have as yep. many options for broadleaf control in my corn. What can I still do right. as some of this corn gets a little bit bigger? HPPD is probably what i do. So you run out there with a Callisto, Laudis, Impact, Armazon, something like that. Can't use atrazine after 12 inches. Uh, shouldn't be using dicamba anymore. So if it's me, it's going to be an HVPD. You could always throw Bucktril in too if you wanted to. But yeah, HVPD is the way to go. 
Yeah, it, it does get to be a challenge when you don't get things done timely. And if those weeds get bigger, they get to be pretty difficult to control. And they also get difficult to get good coverage on with that big crop. So you got to be really fussy about what you're doing out there and how you're running. Running super fast through those fields and using a low volume of water uh, is really going to hinder you. So make sure you're doing everything you can to get good spray coverage. Get out of the sprayer. See what's going on out there. See what kind of coverage you're getting. Uh, and if you're not getting good coverage down through that canopy and, and out of those weeds, you're going to have to make some changes. We're talking about controlling pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans, but we're getting a flood of other questions in for the Ag PhD mailbag. We're going to dive into those coming up next. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi. I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Sound the frog horn, because now there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Introducing Froghorn Fungicide from UPI. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, contact your ag chemical dealer. Always read and follow label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean field, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgriLiquid is a great solution to feed your crop during side dress or foliar. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Come on in. The 
Egg PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. All right, so last weekend uh, when our Ag PhD TV show aired, we talked about, hey, this is your last chance to spray before flowering in soybeans. And uh, James sent us a comment. He said, all right, you guys say it's the last chance to spray before flowering. Hey, we're just getting soybeans in the ground due to incessant, never-ending rain. So with super late-planted beans, how quickly are they going to start flowering? You know, that is a great way to look at things here. How quickly are we going to start seeing flowers? Because I agree with you. We're, we're not uh, full of flowers yet on beans that are still dropping out of the bag and into the soil today. But it's going to happen pretty quickly out there, Brian. What do you think? Within uh, a couple of weeks, you should see flowers in those fields too, right? No. I, I mean, if you just planted them today, you're not going to see it in two weeks. It's going to take three to five days to get them out of the ground. And I would guess three weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be very long. So No, I, no. I so if you're late planning, right. if you're late planning like right now, I mean, my recommendation is still the same. Use the three pre's. Get three pre-emerge herbicides out there because, Absolutely. honestly, as soon as your beans are big enough and the weeds are starting to emerge, you're not going to want to spray much anyway because you're going to be flowering too. And that's kind right. of our whole point here is we want to get anything that could put stress on those beans out of the way before they hit those reproductive stages. And, you know, the whole reason why we talk about this cobra is because of white mold. Well, when do you have more white mold? when you have more canopy and that canopy traps the moisture. So if you're in wide rows and you planted real late, like right now, yeah, we've got some fill-in spots to, to, to do right now too. Are we going to get white mold in those? I seriously doubt it. Those beans are going to be half height. We're only going to get half yield. So I, I'm not that worried about white mold. So I don't think it's a big deal to go spray cobra there. Where I want to spray the cobra for sure is where I've had white mold issues in the past. And obviously it's a helper on weeds. So if I've got some pigweeds out there and I've had some white mold in the past, well, now I really want to spray cobra there. All right. Well, thanks for the for the comment, James. And it really did bring up a nice discussion about what do we do on some of these later planted soybeans. Uh, coming from Andy, and Andy's in northwest Pennsylvania. And he said, for my spring burn down on soybeans, I use 10.7 ounces of a 2,4-D product along with metribuzin and three pints of germoxone with crop oil, non-ionic surfactant, and ammonium sulfate. I wasn't able to plant my beans for a while. I, I used the highest rate of 2,4-D I could use safely to plant within one week, uh, but now it's going to be longer before I can get my beans in. Now, he's got a question here coming up, but I just want to stop you right there, Andy. Wow, uh, we don't like using 2,4-D at all in soybeans. That's uh, It's pretty dangerous and pretty risky, and especially if you're going to plant within a week. I, I don't believe that label at all. I've been looking just online here on social media in the last few days, seeing guys that put side-by-sides out using 2,4-D and not using 2,4-D. It's a noticeable difference on emergence and stand. Uh, so that's something that we, we caution about quite a bit. All right, so to go on, Andrew says, well, earlier this week I was out scouting. I found small ragweed plus dandelion and volunteer corn. Now, the beans I used were, were Roundup Ready and no-tilled into standing corn and milo residue. I'm wondering, what can I use post-emerge now to kill these listed weeds? Uh, will the product leave a residue that may harm oats next spring? I plan on going no-till oats next spring for grain and for straw. 
Okay, yeah, that is going to make a difference because now we got to think about uh, residual a lot more. So Flexstar, for example, do I really want Flexstar out there when I want to plant oats next spring? Not really. I mean, it's probably not a super big concern, um, but I don't love the idea of that. All right, so, so ragweed and dandelion. Flexstar, then I might then I might be doing Cobra instead if my Roundup doesn't get it. Now, I don't know if this ragweed is resistant to Roundup or not. You have not. to assume Hopefully that it is. Not. You have to assume that it uh, is. I don't know. Because otherwise you just say Roundup, and that would be an easy answer. Now, for the dandelion, do I don't not? know if there's going to be a whole lot just better than using straight Roundup. Is there in soybeans? No. Where is he from? Northwest Pennsylvania. That's what I thought. So I don't know that the ragweed over there is resistant to Roundup. So I'm going to assume it's not resistant. Well, you're definitely going to have Roundup in the mix. Roundup. All right. So I'm going to go Roundup, 44 ounces, so I get the dandelions, and then hopefully that's enough to uh, to kill the ragweed as well. And I'm going to throw in a little bit of fusillade or sure to to get the uh, volunteer corn. Uh, so, yeah, I've got those other weeds under control with the Roundup, and then I kill the volunteer corn with the, uh, you know, the criminicide. Uh, but if you're worried about it, you could throw some Cobra in there or something. Just, I probably wouldn't throw Flexstar in. You got Cobra, you got Cadet. There are a few that are decent on ragweed. There's also first rate. So there are a few choices. But I don't know. I mean, I'd be really tempted to just try Roundup and keep my cost down if you're not sure if it's resistant or not. All right, Andrew, thanks a lot. Really appreciate the question, and good luck. Oh, and by the way, for next year, you could plant E3 soybeans, enlist E3 soybeans. Then you could safely use that 2,4-D that you like, and you could use yeah. a higher rate too. So that, that would be something uh, to yeah. look at going forward. Yep, but let's yeah, but then you're still going to have to follow the label if you want to use that 2,4-D. If you, wanna, if you go enlist one, well, then you can spray the enlist one anytime. But just any random 2,4-D, it's not going to be labeled for post-merge use or pre-emerge use when it's real close to planting time. Sure, sure. Yeah, if you want to do it the same way of, hey, spray the burn down and plant within a week, uh, you definitely will probably be using uh, Enlist Duo or Enlist One. Okay, uh, let's move on to another question here. I got one from Frank, and he said, I heard you talking about Cobra and running potentially some boron with it to try to reduce burn. I don't see any good information about tank mixing a product like Solubor. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, do you have any tips about tank mixing Solubor, number one? Uh, And uh, are there other forms of dry boron that I could use as well? I'd like to tank mix a pound per acre of boron as I need that. I'd also like to spray azoxystrobin or propiconazole and an insecticide like Warrior at the same time to save passes through the field. What do you think about all of that? Well, first of all, throwing a pound of boron out in one shot is a lot. Now, if we're talking a pound of solubor, yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah we're often uh, talking a pound you know. and a quarter of solubor that's 20% boron. So you've right. got uh, two-tenths of a pound to a quarter of a pound of boron, much different. Right. So, yeah, to throw a pound of boron on, we've done that on our farm, and you burn that, that crop. I don't know. Well, I know I would not do that together with a bunch of other stuff. As you start throwing oils with that in those herbicides, you're going to have a problem. So if it's me, I'm just going to keep my rate low on the boron and mix it in there. All right. And, yeah, you, you look at mixing in uh, fungicides and insecticides. We're getting these questions on 
almost everything that's going out, guys are saying, hey, I'm seeing some bugs out there. I'm also wanting to get a fungicide out there for various diseases and also for plant health. When you're doing all those things, it is going to add a little bit more to the crop response. I don't think there's much question about that. Uh, and then it also complicates things in terms of, all right, if I'm putting cobra out and I'm putting a fungicide and insecticide, no problem. I want a smaller to medium droplet size. I want to get good coverage that way. But if I also have Roundup in the mix, now I have to be concerned about drift and those types of things, and I may need to use a little different nozzle. So you've got several things there all going on at the same time that it's tough to get the timing to be right on all those, and then all the additives, nozzles, and and. Uh, just the the techniques that you're using with the sprayer to make every one of those things work great. So it all depends on what you're mixing for other herbicides with that Cobra. All right. Uh, another question. Uh, this one came in uh, today. Could you do an episode about spray nozzle recommendations? Maybe you do a recommendation for all dicamba slash enlist applications and a separate one for the non dicamba and enlist acres. Hey, appreciate the comment. We do have an Ag PhD spray tip guide um, app that you can download. Uh, that's something I would recommend. We've got recommendations there for just about every product. It, it's certainly, there's going to be something that we didn't put on there, but it's got most products that you could think of and, and exactly which nozzles are going to work the best, what spray pressure and gallons and so forth we would recommend. So I, I would suggest downloading that. And we, we definitely talk about spray nozzles from time to time, and you should be able to search online and get some recommendations that way too as we're talking about different tips and what types of applications we would use those on. Got more questions to get to get to, and we will do that as soon as we're back. Stay tuned. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever, but disease can stand in the way, like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. Two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval delivering best-in-class dual-mode-of-action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. Using NSERVE Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERVE delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERVE is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. <laughs> That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. 
Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is a great solution to feed your crop during side dress or foliar. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and questions. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got one from John here, and he said, I sprayed my beans recently with Warrant Ultra. I used the 48-ounce rate, and the sprayer was cleaned and calibrated correctly. Soybean leaves are pinched, and the new leaves that are coming out uh, are kind of pinched looking also, giving it a wrinkly look. Uh, I did some research. It looks just like warrant or acetochlor damage. Can you tell me, will this straighten out in a little bit of time? Will it hurt my yield, and if so, to what degree? And is there anything that I can do to remedy this? Yep, that's what we see with the Group 15s sprayed early post, unfortunately. Generally speaking, they come out of it just fine, especially when you have moisture, which pretty much everyone does. So I'm not that worried about it. I don't know if there's anything necessarily that you can do to make it recover quicker other than if you would have had really good soil fertility out there, then obviously the plant is going to uh, just be able to withstand any stress better. But, yeah, at this point, I, I, I don't know what else you do to help it. You got any suggestions, Darren? No, it's just got to have some time to grow out of that. That's that's about all I've seen. It Yeah, it's probably going to ding up the next few leaves that come out, and then after that it'll the effects will go away and it'll start looking normal again. Nope. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think you're hurting your yield at all, though, John, at this point. Stressing the beans oftentimes actually helps with yield, although I'm not going to encourage that because it can certainly go the other way if you have really bad, uh, like hot, dry weather and it just never has a chance to recover. But if you've got moisture and you've got time, it's going to be fine. Uh, got one from Brady here in East Central Illinois. He said, I did not get a chance to spread fertilizer last fall or before planting this spring. What are your thoughts on spreading potash and DAP over the top of V2, V3, 5-inch tall corn? Total combined rate would be 600 pounds per acre. My fields are very flat. Yeah, I'm not doing that. There's no way because that DAP is all going to be laying in the soil surface. I mean, phosphorus isn't going to move down in the ground. So, I mean, if you wanted to go out and cultivate and flip dirt over on top of it, then you can protect it better. But otherwise, you're leaving it there. And 
what's going to happen is you're going to end up with a little bit of rain and wind erosion. Now, if you have flat ground, that gets certainly better, but I, I, I don't know really why you do that. You're going to get zero benefit out of that phosphorus this year, and you'll get very little benefit out of that potassium unless you get tremendous rainfall coming up pretty darn quick. You know, there are a lot of guys so in kind of a tough spot, Brian, where where their suppliers are charging them storage to hold fertilizer over till next year, not refunding their money. And I, I get it with fertilizer. They aren't really price protected on it. But uh, right, it, right, it's right. a it's a tough deal when you've got to now pay somebody well, to sit on your fertilizer. And I can I can understand where he's coming yeah. from. It sure be easy if I could just spread it out in my field somehow. Now, here's the next concern. How much ends up in the world and how much do we damage the plant right now? Our guys asked me about this a year or two ago and wanted to do something. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no way. No, no, no. If you want to do three acres, fine, but not 3,000 acres. We're not doing that when we've never done that before. So, yeah, if you want to go out and try a little bit, fine. Now, the other thing you could do is get a different type of applicator. If you were to, let's say, lay it on, on top of the row, and like I said earlier, if you wanted to cultivate that in, so now you protect it, you get it down into the ground, okay, that's a different deal. You could also go out with some type of strip-kill machine and with coulters and just put it in the middle of the row and then plant your next crop next year right in the middle of this year's row. Well, now you got next year's fertilizer already sitting out there and ready to go. But, yes, I'm, I, I agree with you, Darren. You know, for some of these guys that are getting charged storage, well, you, you don't want that. And like even on our farm, okay, we didn't get all our fall fertilizer stuff done. Uh, we actually were supposed to do a bunch of manure and compost, and that's what didn't get done. So anything we needed to spread got done, but the manure and compost didn't. And it's like, oh, no, we're so late. Every Everything froze up. Am I going to spread dry P&K in the spring? And I just said, no way. So we put on a lot more liquid this spring just to get by. So we, we went off of our build program for a year because we're trying to build up to 300-plus bushel corn and 100 bushel soybeans. And I just went off the build program for a year and said, nope, we're just going to do basically a maintenance program with liquid and band it. We're going to call it good for this year, and then we're going to get back on the program again next fall. Yep, that's the way it goes on the farm. Some years it's just, you know what, I want to do this, but I'm just not going to be able to. Conditions aren't right, and I agree. I'm worried about hurting your crop. I'm also worried about just wasting the fertilizer, that it's not going to do you any good this year, and you're definitely going to lose the, the nitrogen component out of that DAP, too. Your odds are pretty high. So I, I would pass on that, Well, the, da- the, the nitrogen component's really It's fun. not huge. I, I don't it's know not if huge. I would say that, Darren that they're going to lose that for sure. It's so small. Do we know for sure? No. Well, you're just going to I lay mean, it on top of the ground. Pounds, that's a different deal. Yeah. yeah. So All right. All right. Flat well, ground, and it's going to go into the ground. When it rains every other day, I guess uh, I guess you got a pretty good shot that it could go in. Even if it doesn't. I, I mean, you don't lose the nitrogen out of the DAP like you lose the nitrogen out of the urea on a quick basis. With urea, you start losing it in two days. Two days you got 48 hours to get rain. Unless you want to put a stabilizer with it, you're going to start losing some of your nitrogen with urea. Granted, you're not going to lose all of it, but you'll start losing some. With DAP, am I worried about it two days? No way. I, I'm not worried about it for a couple of weeks. You're going to be fine. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for the question, Brady. Really appreciate that. Uh, got one here from Kelly. Kelly said, I'm in a 4-H group in West Central Minnesota, and I'm doing a project on cover crops and topsoil. My questions are, uh, why are cover crops a good choice to protect topsoil, and what steps can farmers living in West Central Minnesota 
do to make their cover crops work better? Well, just having anything growing on soil helps hold that soil in place. The other thing that it does is when rain hits bare ground, it creates compaction, it creates splash, it moves that soil, whereas if it hits plants and then falls slowly to the ground, it doesn't have that same kind of impact. So yeah, just having something growing on the ground is great for erosion. I, I mean, the best way to, pre uh, to prevent erosion is to have something growing on that ground year-round. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't fit very well in Minnesota when we have very often six months of winter. You can't have anything growing over the winter. But if we could, that'd be best for erosion. Um, and in terms of how you make that grow better, well, like we were talking about earlier in the show, are we raising a crop that we can graze and bale, or, or are we just raising a cover crop? So cover crop, usually we're just throwing something out there, hoping for the best, and it's probably fine. Anything's better than nothing. But if we start talking about how do I get the most tonnage out of this, that's a different deal. How do we have success with that? We start by seeding it with a drill, and then we pack it. Then we're going, I mean, for a lot of these grass seeds I'm talking, then you've got to make sure you have great weed control, insect control, disease control. you got the right fertility program. You're probably going to want to be coming back uh, again after you've done soil tests with tissue analysis and figuring out, all right, what more fertility do I need to add to that? I mean, you can really intensively manage that, what many people think of as cover crop, and you could probably double the tonnage if you did a really good job. So, I mean, there's a lot that can be done. Hey, thanks for the question, Kelly. It's a good project that you're working on. Good luck with that. If you got further questions, please let us know. Got one from Patrick. He said, I remember that you guys were talking a while back that you had certain fall broad leaves that you were managing with a quart of banvel in the fall, and you solved your problems. I'm wondering what weed species you fight in the fall and uh, and just what you're doing with that program, if you're changing anything for that going into this year. Yep, it, it was mare's tail and dandelion, and it was some of the acres we'd switched to no-till 25 years ago. 15 years ago, we switched it from no-till to strip-till, but it changed our weed species in the fields before. We'd never seen mare's tail in the fields before, and we just kept hitting them with different treatments, and now oh, it'd be okay and whatever. Well, I got sick of it one fall, and I, uh, to be honest, I didn't even know if it was labeled or not, but I said a pint of dicamp, a pint of banville isn't going to do it. Let's go a quart. So we sprayed a quart. Then afterwards, they checked the label, and it was it was labeled and everything. But anyway, we not did that. the order that we would solved. recommend doing that in. By the way, right? Exactly. That's my point. So anyway, yeah, that worked great on mare's tail and dandelion in the fall. Winter annual and a perennial, that's why they were there in the fall. That sounds a little bit like what I'd term a revenge kill. <laughs> that, hey, I didn't get it done right the first time. I'm going to for sure get those weeds out of here. And let me tell you, those dandelions were pretty deeply rooted. And, and I remember talking to Brian about that too, that he's like, oh, they aren't that deep. They couldn't have been established that long. It was a monstrous root underneath some of those. And it did take quite a shot of dicamba to take them out. Well, thanks to everyone who sent in questions to today's program. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.